welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie. I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy. As always, thank you so much for tuning in today. Now, today we're talking to Karel, and this is actually take two. <laughs> we recorded recently, well, quite a while ago, a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah, a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago, and somehow lost the footage. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we're back here again, and we get to have this conversation again. So, thank you for being here. Thank you, Karel, again for doing this for us. Um, yeah, Jeremy, you can introduce him again for the second time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is funny to do it twice. <laughs> Let's see where we go this time. Yeah, thank you for taking the time again <laughs> to record. Not a problem. We appreciate it. Not a problem. I enjoyed the conversation, so <laughs> let's have a great one again. I, I yeah. think we will. <laughs> um, I have no idea what I said last time for the introduction, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> well, where did you meet? Yeah, we met on Clubhouse. Uh, we were in a room together about podcasting. Um, and yeah, I I click on your profile. I open your uh, Instagram page. Uh, I've seen you were a podcast host. You have a podcast called Minority Report, T-E-A, <laughs> uh, with two of your friends. And you have a lot of fun up there. <laughs> we have a lot of fun up there. We definitely do. <laughs> Probably too much. <laughs> a, few, a few days ago, maybe last week, you posted a video of you and your mates like wearing wigs. And oh my God, this <laughs> little reel on Instagram was hilarious. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I know people are like, you seem to have a quite a collection of wigs. And some of them are like sitting like right here, right off screen. <laughs> um, like I always think like, TikTok and like reels for me is literally everything that I had in my head going on as like a little kid. And it's uh. like finally being able to like be like, okay, I had this funny thought come up or, oh, <laughs> I, I could play this character or something like that. So I have a blast with this. Some people are like, oh, that's for kids. I'm like, hey, I'm a <laughs> kid at me? heart, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys on TikTok then? We're on TikTok, yeah. yeah. Right, so, well, I, I should say, I should say, I'm on TikTok. Minority Report, we have our page, and I do everything through it. But Dewan and Jarrell, they don't care for TikTok as much, so <laughs> okay. they're just like, Karel, do you have fun over there?" <laughs> uh, I'll have to check you guys out on TikTok because, yeah, I, I, I can see that your content would be, yeah, would suit the platform. It'd be pretty cool <laughs> for that. Definitely. Um, the reason I, I contacted you or originally uh, to recall this episode was because um, I, I thought it would be great to have a conversation with you, uh, not about podcasting, uh, but about your, your bringing and your uh, life situation in a sense that uh, you're a black man living in the US uh, and you're also part of the LGBTQAI plus community. I got this right this time. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I think, like I said last time, um, being black in the U.S. is not easy. Uh, we've seen for the last 12 months pretty much uh, everything going on that, uh, that could be a topic by itself. We could just talk about that. Um, we also know that being part of the LGBTQ community uh, have its challenges as well. Let's put it this way. Um, and, yeah, being part of both community I, I just thought that sharing your your journey and your experiences uh would be extremely valuable and, and also really uh insightful you know just i mean just for myself to be honest uh, but also for <laughs> for other people because uh, i'm sure other people will benefit from yeah knowing what it is like and 
what sometimes you have to go through. Definitely, definitely. I mean, honestly, that's where the the foundation of the podcast came from was finally being comfortable with myself to a kind of tell a lot of the stories and the journeys and the ups and the downs and the in-betweens. Um, and then also being able to share that with Dewan and Jarrell, even though we have a lot of similar stories, the path to getting to where we're at now has been wildly different. Mm. Um, even though all three of us are gay and black men. <clears throat> so just having that Avenue has been amazing because I wish Corell at 10 years old, Corell at 16 years old, had a, had someone to look up to or someone just to be able to say, oh, it's going to be okay. You know, what I'm going through right now doesn't mean it's not going to occur again or there's not going to be other hardships and uh, things to go through. But at least it looks like maybe there's someone enjoying themselves. There's someone on the other side of this. There's someone that got married and seems to at least appear <laughs> to to have a, a decent story on the other end of coming out. So, so yeah, I, I have, it's been, it's been a journey, just another layer on top of it. And I'm sure we'll get into it. It's just like, also both of my parents are, are pastors. So <laughs> just even having that dynamic and that weight on my shoulder, shoulders has definitely made it uh, an interesting life thus far, but Hey, it, it, you, you you got to go through everything to get to where you need to be. So yeah, and you, <laughs> ma you made you who you are now. So absolutely, it, what you just said uh, made me think about a question. Actually, um, when you were ten years old, um, being part being gay was maybe less accepted than it is now. Uh, I mean, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. <clears throat> And do you think someone that's now 10 years old, uh, black or not, um, mm -hmm. but maybe for you to read it, like, yeah, a black man that's 10 years old right now, that who, who knows he's gay right now, uh, do you think it would be easier for him to accept... Uh, himself than it was for you considering you know like maybe now it'd be easier for him to find a mentor or a figure maybe someone to talk to than maybe it was when you were 10 years old oh man uh, I would like to think so however there's probably even other avenues or like even just like social media that's something me growing up I didn't have to deal with and even as fun and the great things that come out of social media there's going to be like the social media bullies and you mm -hmm. being on there being like well my life isn't like that or that person came out and he had a horrible experience so i'm definitely staying in now mm -hmm. so that's the part i don't quite know um but overall it, it was interesting just maybe a, um back in february there was the a latest like gallup poll saying that america is more gay than ever and it was due to Generation Z. And I'm not sure what the generation is after Z, because I'm not sure what 10 years old is now. Yeah, I don't know. We, but I don't think we have one <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> Double Z or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, a lot, the percent has gone up because of Generation Z. They were saying about, at least for the folks that they interviewed, about 16% of that generation identifies part of the LGBTQIA plus community. So I was like, wow, that's interesting. And 
personally for me, I think it's probably already been that high, if not higher, but generations before mine and it just probably couldn't come out and then it just wasn't the norm. So in that regard, yes, I think in theory, just based on that data nugget, yes, it seems to be that younger kids, younger folks are able to come out earlier and identify within the community. However, on the flip side of that, I just don't think it'll make it that much easier. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen like what happened in the latest four years of the, the, the administration that was there. We see just in news lines every day, especially like I live here in Atlanta, Georgia, and there's a representative here in like the metro Atlanta area, one of the counties, I forget her, like Marjorie something green or something like that, where she's got elected in. And a lot of her basis is against the LGBTQIA plus community. So it's just like just as many times as you think you're taking maybe two steps forward, there might be a step backwards as well. Um, and then specifically just within the, the black community, I think it's still a big issue t- within the community for folks to come out as gay. Um, that's just kind of been part of the narrative within the culture um, throughout time that it was another piece of just how heavy it was for me to try to come out due to the church element of it. So I think that's another part that hasn't quite honestly been dealt with all the way. Um, But the more we have folks being visible, the more we're able to speak out and things like that, I would hope that it is easier for a 10 year old today than it was for, for me, however many years it was. (laughs) (laughs) I also think YouTube is a great place because there's so many different people of everything's different talking about their experiences whether it's gay or not like I think either way on YouTube you can kind of always find someone that you can relate to so I think that's something that we didn't have as children that hopefully people have access to internet and YouTube and they can search in their own time and find people that they want to follow I think that's also you know could hopefully help people as well with whatever they're going through in life because you, you're able to find someone that looks like you. You're yeah. able to find someone, you know, you don't feel as alone. You don't think you're the freak. You don't think you're weird. I mean, yes, you could be. But at least you might find someone that you can identify with easily mm-hmm. or easier than, say, myself, where growing up in, in Michigan, small town Michigan, A, we were like one of the lone black families in my, my school district, even though like my, my parents' uh, church is predominantly black. So it was always like this weird juxtaposition of like, okay, going to school during the day and it's a predominantly white school. And then, you know, going to church like at night and on Sunday mornings and things like that and choir rehearsals and revivals (laughs) and everything like that. And it's predominantly black. Um, So it was always hard for me to really try to figure out who I was because I was already in these kind of like different worlds where maybe sometimes at school, even though most of the time, especially since I grew up there, since like kindergarten, like a lot of the same folks I grew up with and graduated with. Right. So they knew who I was. They, we grew up together. So that was a plus. But at the end of the day, you're still feeling like, oh, I don't quite fit in there. And then maybe sometimes you go to church, and you're like, oh, maybe I'm not quite black enough, quote unquote, whatever that means. But then it's just like, OK, I know I can't come out, though. You know, that's the one thing I can't do on both sides because you hear little jokes or little, oh, that person's gay or look at that person, uh, you know. Um, so if I simply had a YouTube or an Instagram, potentially it would have taken a lot of that edge off saying, okay, Carell, even if maybe I still can't come out right now, when I go off to college or whenever I leave the town and things like that, I know there's other people that look and sound like me and they're doing okay. 
Yeah. Well, to, to go back about TikTok, that's interesting because TikTok has a younger audience. Uh, yeah. I don't know the data, but, you know, it, it's mainly, I would say, like 20 people in the 20s and, and potentially Even some younger, young, younger yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you're actually posting out there uh, could help also the younger generation uh, yeah. this way, like you were saying. Yeah. And I mean, like, and hopefully they do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as an adult now, some of the topics that we talk about on the podcast and things like that, because we'll post like clips and things like that, even on TikTok, might not be suitable for a 10 year old. <laughs> but like, I, I try to be at least conscious of some of the things we do put out there that at least maybe hit on some of those same anxieties and things like that, right. that, we, that, uh, that I had when I was younger. And I know for sure that Dewan and Jarrell also had when they were younger. Mm. So to go back to your personal story, um, uh -huh. well, you, you, you told us a little bit, uh, so growing up in, in Michigan, uh, going to a mainly white school, uh, but also being raised by really in, in religious family. Um, how, how did you feel like inside knowing that I don't, I don't know if what I'm saying is gonna be right. I think I'm gay or I believe I'm gay, but. I'm being told every Sunday that this is a sin. This is not right. Um, how how did that make you feel? Did you make you like? Did you make you like you know question who you were if you're right? If there was anything wrong with you and, and things like that? You know, it's it's quite interesting because obviously this is take two. And so after we got done with the last <laughs> time talking, I was thinking some more, just trying to like remember some memories and things mm. like that. And it was quite interesting that, like, I was almost more scared then of disappointing my parents than even almost, like, God kind of thing. Like, because, like, because right. it's just, like, as much as you might have heard, and they didn't, it wasn't, like, an every Sunday thing where you heard, oh, being gay is, or being gay is bad kind of thing. Like, it was almost, like, implied maybe a, a Sunday here, but then, like, you see it on TV as well, and then you go to school, and they're saying, oh, he's gay, she looks gay, or he looks gay. And so it's just, like, it's always kind of just almost in the, the background where it's just, like, it's not every day that you hear that, but you just hear one, you, all you got to hear it is once, and then you're like, oh, my God, am I, am I not right <laughs> am i wrong and am i sinning am i going to be a disappointment to my uh, parents and things like that so it, it was interesting just thinking back it's just like i honestly think somewhere i picked up in the ether and i don't know i can't recall the first time but it was bad to be gay so literally all day every day you made sure whatever your perception was gay because i don't even know i, I don't even know how i would have known what gay was or <laughs> is then you know at that time but just through jokes here and there, maybe little comments here and there, you realize, oh, I can't be too effeminate or I got to be this masculine human being. Um, and somehow that sticks to you. And then you have no one around you to be able to talk about this. It's like, OK, I'm feeling this way. I, like, how do I even navigate this? So honestly, you, I learned to just survive honestly and try not to appear whatever quote unquote gay was so like i adore my, my my parents i adore i adore church even like it's still a foundation of who i am but it was just interesting kind of recalling back i was like man i just did not want to be a disappointment to my parents which means it would probably be a disappointment to the church members like it was just like 
layers and layers after that. It's just like more of a disappointment to them. But it was just interesting. It's just like, I don't know why I didn't think that would be a disappointment to God, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm not sure if maybe somewhere in my ether, I did learn that like, he's going to accept me how I am. And he made me the way I was, you know? And so maybe I had some weird understanding of that because just sitting here thinking about it, it was never being a disappointment to God. It was literally being a disappointment to everyone else, <laughs> which is bizarre. Yeah. I remember as well last time you saying that you were worried about how the people that went to church were going to treat your parents for having a gay child. I remember that was quite mm -hmm. a big thing as well, was how your parents might suffer, quote unquote, whatever, like, yeah. you know, be treated due to having a gay yeah. son and if it was their fault. And yeah. Yeah, like, and, and, and it stuck with me for the longest. Like, honestly, I turned 37 in a week. And it's probably been something well into my 30s still that I was consciously aware of ensuring, even as simple as maybe not posting as much on social media with my husband now and maybe not posting as much of my gay friends and things like that. And taking the step back saying like, why am I not, <laughs> you know, it's like that is a part of me. Um, and it was literally solely for the longest was because I didn't want my parents again to appear bad or just like, okay, they're supposed to be this, you know, I mean, even though no one's perfect on earth, but this perfect couple, this perfect image. And yeah. part of it might just be, even the black part of it is just like they're successful black people, you know, like my dad has his PhD. So it's just like we quote unquote made it, you know, we're, you mm -hmm. know, and here's the gay son. There's got to be something wrong, you know. And so, mm -hmm. so I don't know if it's ever really been something someone has said to me to make me feel that way. But it's just like, again, just over time, you just hear certain comments. You hear this and that, that for some reason, that was my conclusion, right, wrong, or indifferent. But the one thing I have learned in recent years is it's just been interesting how much of the church family still uh, loves me, especially because like they've a lot of them have known me since <laughs> I was like six, seven years old. So mm -hmm. they've known me for they knew me more than I knew myself at parts, probably, except mm -hmm. this little sliver of my <laughs> my uh, orientation. But but it's just been interesting to see them comment on my husband's uh, Facebook posts on like whatever food he's posting that day or, and things like that. And they're like, oh, Corey, that looks great. So it's <laughs> just it it it's something that I might not have given them the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's just yeah. like I mm -hmm. thought they were going to have these reactions for so long. And that has not really been the case at all. So almost relearning and rewiring your brain to finally just always be 100% myself. And that's probably been the hardest part of and I, just over conversations over time with either on our podcast or, or friends. It seems like sometimes that's always the last almost collateral damage. It's just like you learned for so long to hide and to not be authentic all the way that it's still very vulnerable to tell your stories and to tell situations you've been through. Mm. Um, and honestly, that's where the podcast has honestly helped me a lot because week in, week out, we are telling our stories, sometimes too many stories, <laughs> <laughs> telling way too much. But it's just like it's, it's become our therapy because 
for so long, you felt like you didn't have anyone you could trust with this information and to tell who you truly are and wanting to still get better and grow. We don't know all the answers. We don't have all the answers and we're still dealing with maybe little triggers here and there. But um, it, it's been interesting to finally just be as close to 100% as authentic as I possibly can while still identifying those those bricks of that wall that I had built up for so long and dismantling that. And also it's interesting because like you said, you, you grew up in two environments, the white school and the black church uh, that potentially could collide uh, against each other. And I'm, I'm not sure how the part of Michigan you grew up like the the level of racism, like yeah, lack yeah. of a better word, I'm not sure how to say that in another way. But yeah. uh, you know, like, I wonder, like in, in a sense, like you had to have kind of two personalities, like create, build two characters: the the one that's going to school that that has to fit into the white society and and everything, and maybe be careful about being too black and stuff like that, I guess. Uh, and yeah. and then going to church and not being, like you said, like too gay and stuff like that. I must, it, it must have been emotionally draining to play those characters 24-7 on one side and the other. And I guess you must have felt pretty good to be in your bedroom by yourself and just be yourself in this yeah. room. Yeah, it's, it's interesting just thinking on it. I, I feel like the gay part was probably even harder just because simply luckily since i literally because like i grew up in in a small town right outside saginaw michigan which is like two hours north of detroit and luckily i started in that school district from kindergarten and literally i graduated with 86 people so that kind of just shows you how small of a, a school it was so the 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 good thing was since we started there so young a lot of my friends i knew since i was like four or five years old and it allowed them to maybe become friends with me before a lot of the racism was instilled in them doesn't mean it didn't happen (laughs) no but yeah but like as a kid they appreciated you for just another kid right Uh, and they were not conditioned yet to, exactly oh he's yeah okay that makes sense for some of them and it still cu- came up though like obviously the older you get and it obviously depends on the environment whoever the, the kids were and their parents and what they were dealing with so it did come up the older i got but the one saving grace was literally since they knew me and knew our family honestly f- for so long and for and from such a young age that even like the teachers and the principals it was a consistent thread. And so if we did have racism, we were able to identify it a little easier. We were able to call them out, you know, and things like that. More so than say like, I moved there into like seventh grade to an all white district. And here's the only black family. Because I did see when other black families did move in, like as we grew up, it became a little, and by little, maybe like a percent more <laughs> um, diverse. 
and I saw the struggles that they had more than I ever had, unfortunately. So I always felt like I had to stick up for them or and befriend them and make sure that they were good because I knew sticking out like a sore thumb, sometimes it did feel like all eyes are on you or sometimes that you had to excel even more so than your, your friends next to you just to prove that, oh, the stereotype of whatever they have of a black family isn't true. You know, so sometimes I did feel like I had to be smarter than everyone. I had to excel more than everyone. Sometimes I didn't want to play certain sports because there was a st stereotype. And that's a lot of where a lot of the weight came from, where it's just like, I shouldn't be thinking about that. I should just be. And then you throw the gay on top of it. <laughs> so it's just like, it was just hard to just know when to be. But then you go to like the, luckily I was able to have the black church and still kind of get that culture and that root um, of the black church and the black society and black culture and be surrounded by successful black people at that, you know, um, to see that, hey, I don't have to be anything other than I don't have to be less than I don't have anything to prove to anyone. But it's easier said than done. That's me talking at 37 <laughs> than Carell at 14 going through it. And there were many times where I felt less than there were many times that I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone because I didn't know who to talk to. Um, because of the underlying knowing of me being gay. Like if I didn't have that on top of me, it might've been a little easier just to be like, okay, I could just solely concentrate on being a black human being and surviving out here. But it's just like, you have that and then you have the gay on top of it and then you have the church on top of it. And it, it, it was interesting, but luckily, 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 especially because my parents are from the South. So they went to segregated schools. I'm just happy that they didn't maybe put a lot of their jadedness or their situations on us because there are so many stories that I've heard now that I've been older that I'm like, how did you mm. not go into a, a predominantly white area and not be jaded or constantly mm. scared and things like that just solely through their upbringing dealing with segregation in the deep South? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of, I mean, to forgive and, and be okay with being in this environment after going through all this shit. It's, I mean, I, yeah. can't, I, I can't even imagine, but yeah, it's reminds it's me a, of- It's a conversation I almost want to have on the podcast with I was like my say, dad be and amazing, my mom, yeah. Yeah. because there were just certain stories that they literally have just started to open up and tell us literally in the last two years. Then I'm like, wow, you, you've held on to that, yet still was successful and things like this. So I understand it more as an adult. Like for so long, I was solely just worried about myself selfishly in a, in a way. But now that I'm okay with myself, now I have the emotional room to now ask my parents what they even went through or even what they went through with having a black family in a predominantly white area. Those are stories that I don't even really know much about and how they might have had to protect us to ensure that yeah. we were able to succeed as well as we could in that, that environment. Yeah, and also not to uh, I fuck you up too young because I guess hearing those stories at an age where you're like building your character and everything could have maybe put you on the, on, on the wrong path or on the path of, yeah. you know, like more well, like hate more and everything and, and yeah and everything so right. i guess also the, i mean they're just protecting you i guess because yeah it wasn't the time absolutely yeah. yeah so those are literal literal things that 
as I've gotten older and having different conversations and then just really stopping and pausing and thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, wow, that is interesting. The the journey that they probably had to go through to ensure that their family was safe and okay, but still had all the opportunities, hopefully, or as close to as all the opportunities they could um, growing up in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, growing up and, and going through your teen years and, and early 20s, um, how did you navigate uh, your your sexuality in terms of like, because I, I remember you said you, you came out quite late. Uh, yeah. Getting girls was one of the way to hide your and, and, and to fit it in, in the society. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's and it's funny since our last conversation, I there there's a couple boxes that I um have literally lugged around since college, <laughs> and finally my husband was like, okay, you need to go through this box and see what you need to keep, et cetera, et cetera. So I went through this box and found an old camcorder, and so like there was this weird time frame where like you had like the big camcorders. And before like digital cameras. <laughs> and so like you had maybe smaller camcorders. And and I had completely forgot. And I was like, I have no clue what are on these tapes. Oh I'm like, like I had an idea because I was like, okay, I know I remember I took it the spring break one year. And then Ooh. I remember <laughs> freshman year in college, we like um one of my roommates who ended up being like one of my best friends, and like I was in his wedding, he just came to my wedding, blah, blah, blah. He had uh, broken through one of the dorm doors. He had put a hole through it by accident. And so they're like, well, you got to pay for this door. So, like, I remember, like, one night towards the end of the the school year, we just decided we're just going to jump through the door. And (laughs) so I knew that was going to be on the tape. But everything else, I was like, I have no clue what's on here. So it's interesting. And we just shared this story on the episode that's out today on Minority Report. So share this story where I was looking at these tapes and it's interesting to see yourself from the age of like 17 to 19 and the hiding I was doing because it was so obvious to me now what I was doing and how I was reacting and how I was saying things and not necessarily wanting to be on camera all the time because I was hiding so much and uh, took the camera down to spring break, like my senior year in high school and then also my freshman year in college. And the tape for the freshman year in college spring break down in Panama City Beach, where, you know, everybody used to always go. And being around my friends, and they're like, oh, look at that hot girl. Get that hot girl on camera, you know. And I recall even then and watching it being like, I don't want her on my camera. Like, I don't care, you know. But I want that guy over there. Literally. Literally. (laughs) And so just seeing myself do that. And like hearing like almost like the little chuckles, like, uh, you know, trying to just fit in. Yeah. I was like, God, it, it made me almost sad a little bit because I was just like, man, it would have been so cool to be able to go to spring break and do what they were doing and trying to flirt with all these girls. But I was flirting with the guys, you know, like yeah. and and part and I it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy myself. I didn't have fun. But looking back at that, I was like, wow, that was such a missed opportunity to have more stories and maybe more experience, whatever it may be that I just didn't do because I was still so scared. But then on the flip side to also see them, I I wasn't able to see how much friendship was there maybe all the way 
because I was still hiding. So I didn't allow myself to reveal too much. I would, it would get conversations mm-hmm. would get to a point and then I would be able to steer it somewhere else and things like that, that I still have some of these friends that were in that video to this day that know me now as a gay man and things like that and adore me as much as they do was eye awakening watching that tape. Cause I see how they treat me now and how much we enjoy each other and how much fun we have, but it was the same for them then. And I was able to see that in, uh, in the film through new eyes. But for me, I was just still so worried about being found out that I couldn't really almost accept their total friendship because I was scared, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was just interesting to see that. So to go back to like your initial question, it's just like, man, if I could have redone college, if I could have, you know, come out then and know that it was okay, how much more things I could have done for in life, honestly, you know, it's yeah. just like, yes, I, I've been able to be successful and thank God for that, but it just limited it myself and, and did not come out until I think I was like 26, 27 years old where I started the process <laughs> of coming out. And it's one of those things too, like coming out is like a forever thing <laughs> because even people that don't know you that like, especially now they see the wedding ring and I might be at like a new job or I might go to the grocery store and be like, Oh, where's your wife? And you're like, Oh, nope. It's my husband. So it's just this constant, always revealing yourself vulnerable moment. And it is what it is. But, um, but yeah, it's just like it, what could have been, and it's, you don't want to harp on it too much cause you can't change it. Like you had to go through the process you went through, but it was just interesting to find this camcorder and seeing mm-hmm. 17 through 19 year old Corel and almost reliving a lot of that that emotion. There's even parts in that tape where uh, like I would like go off by myself and I would look at the camera and be like, I have so much on my mind right now. And I know why I was saying that to the camera then. I remembered, once I saw it, I was like, oh my God, I forgot I did that. Mm-hmm. But it was just me almost revealing to myself that I'm gay. I, I need help, <laughs> quite honestly, you know? I don't know how to come out. I don't know how to say I'm gay. Yet it was a burden all day, every day. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Did, at, at any time, did you try to, did you think that you had to change? Did you think that maybe you would never be able to be yourself and maybe you had to... I don't know if if I keep going out with girls, maybe eventually I like them. I don't know those kind of things. Did that cross your mind? Or yeah, and and it's not and like and I had girlfriends and things like that. And it's not like and it's kind of hard to describe. Like it's easier like gay folks they've known it because a lot <laughs> of folks have done it. It's not like you don't think a person is pretty. It's like oh I know like she was gorgeous, you know, <laughs> and you might hook up with them and things like that. Especially at that age, it's, as a teenager, <laughs> it is what it is. But I thought. I was going to pretend the rest of my life. Yes. I thought that I was like, well, I'm just going to have to find someone that I can almost sadly say almost exactly tolerate mm. being in a relationship and doing whatever the standard things like having the, the white picket fence and the kids and this and that, just because that's all I knew. That's all I was being told was correct. And I just thought I was, it is what it is. I'm going to have to hide. I had come to, I literally had come to, especially going through college, enjoyed my college years, but even once I graduated and moving away, I was just like, oh my God, like 
I know all the time I'm going to get questions like, why are you not in a relationship now? When are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? And I, I, you have to lie every single time, A, which sucks, especially the people that you consider close to you and your friends and things like that. But I just knew gradually, I was like, oh my God, I just got to, I have to find someone because like being asked that all the time sucks <laughs> mm. because you haven't dealt with yourself. So it's like every time someone asks it, it reminds you that, oh, Carell, you haven't dealt with yourself yet. You're still hiding. You're still lying. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely at that, definitely at that time in the camcorder though, I knew I was just like, oh, there's no option for me to come out. I didn't even know. I'm trying to think at that age. I don't even think I knew gay people mm-hmm. or if I did either they weren't out or they were out and I just didn't know there were certain folks in college that I suspected, but you never a want to out anyone like that. That's ridiculous. Um, and then it, it kind of came true. So maybe the gaydar was there, but, um, okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, you the gays think they have a gaydar. <laughs> they think they have a, a, not a radar, a gaydar of who they suspect <laughs> might be in the LGBTQIA plus community. And a lot of people suck at it, but I, I, at least I like to think I'm good, but I probably suck at it too. Um, but honestly didn't even have, even in college, I think I maybe knew one or two people. And even then I didn't want to become too close of friends with them because then they might suspect, or so I thought yeah. would suspect that Carell would be gay as well because you're hanging out with gay people, mm-hmm. not because you can't have friends that happen to be gay, you know? Yeah. And it's just weird. The warped thought process I had then because I didn't have anything. I didn't have anybody to, to otherwise shift the narrative and change the conversation. Um, so yeah, definitely. I knew at that time there was no opportunity for me to come out. Mm. At least I thought at that point. So you mentioned that you came out around the age of 26, 27, and you'd also mm-hmm. mentioned that you'd kind of resigned to the fact that you were never going to come out and you were just going to have a, a wife that you could just put up with basically. What shifted and at what age did it shift? And also, could you talk to us about your coming out experience and who you first told and how that was for you? Yeah, I don't know what shifted. I think over time you just get tired <laughs> more than anything. You're just tired of hiding. You're tired of lying. You're tired of not having the life that everyone else is just joyfully having. They're going on dates. They're dating this person. They're doing whatever. Oh, you're going on vacay with your friends and they're having their spouse now. They're having their kids now. They're having their girlfriend now. And here's Carell, like still over here, like not dating anyone and things like that. You just get tired of it. But then the biggest probably shift was around that age is when I moved to Chicago. So at the time, so right after college, I had uh, moved to Indiana, South Bend, Indiana, Mishawaka, Indiana. So again, small town America. And so if made great friends there had amazing friends that are still friends to this day, but they were straight. So if there was weekends that we weren't going out to the bars or things like that, I was like, okay, let me just drive the hour and a half to Chicago and just try to go to a gay bar or this and that. And there was one gay bar actually in South Bend, Mishawaka, Indiana. And I remember the first time I tried to go there on a random weekend. And I can't remember if I told this story or not, but like, I remember driving up and sitting there in the parking lot. And I couldn't go in. I was so petrified to be found out. Not knowing that if someone's in this bar 
the likelihood is that they're gay too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, maybe maybe they have a straight friend that came with them and things like that. But the likelihood, especially in that area, was that they're gay as well. But you can't penetrate your 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 fear mm. at that point. Mm. But um, but there were times that I'd go to Chicago, go to um, what was at the time called Boys Town. It's called now North Halstead uh, to be more inclusive of the the community. Um, and going to the bars there and trying to flirt with a guy and, and this and that. And then also there was a trip that I took for work down to Florida to Miami. And that was the first time because that, that was right before I moved to Chicago. Yeah. So that was the first time that I even like went to a gay bar in a, like a real big city and, and going to the gay bar and a guy would, Thought I was cute and making up with him. And then even before I went to the, the gay bar, I went to a straight bar and was sitting next to a guy and we're chatting, chatting, whatever. And ended up running into him at the gay bar. And he thought I was straight. I thought he was straight. So, <laughs> oh. yeah, I know, right? And so it was just that moment even making me think like I still have these things where I think someone's supposed to look a certain way. I think someone's supposed to act a certain way. I think someone's supposed to talk a certain way. And that's not the case. Uh, especially within the LGBTQIA plus community. Like there's a spectrum to everyone on earth. Like, and I think a lot of it's dealing with this toxic masculinity of what a man's supposed to look like and supposed to act like and sound like. And so that was probably one of the first times where I was like, wow, I still have these narratives in my head that have been ingrained in me. And that's not the case. I need to, I need to be part of this community so I can learn and finally be a little free. So I would say the shift was a tired of just being the only one, not dating and things like that, be pushing myself out of my comfort zone a little bit and going to gay communities where I can at least be surrounded by the potential of maybe meeting somebody or the potential of making out with a dude at the bar, like my straight friends were doing at the bars and things like that. Um, and then finally being able to move to Chicago the entire time I lived in Indiana, I was like, I need to get out of here. Like I was like, I could see myself getting stuck. And it was still that that same narrative was like, if I'm here, I'm going to get stuck. I'm going to marry some girl, have the kids because that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, so moving to Chicago definitely helped me out a lot. And in a weird way, like after I moved to Chicago, like, like seven, eight months later, I run into Corey, who is now my husband. So in a weird way, it's just like I didn't have a long chance to be engrossed in it. But... Over time, and luckily for him, too, he allowed me to kind of grow into myself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, because he was my first, like, real <laughs> boyfriend, honestly. So I thank him for honestly bearing with me and making mistakes and things like that to to come into my gayism or gay. I don't know what the word is. Um, but yeah, yeah, that shift. I had to get out of small town America. That was the biggest, the biggest part of it, quite yeah. honestly. Um, and thank God for living near Chicago because I was able to find friends once I moved there that kind of took me under their wing and knew I was kind of a newbie to the scene and, and allow me to make mistakes and going out with me late in the night and just, you know, not feeling like eyes were on me to make a mistake in finding who I truly was. So, I remember I asked you this last time, but what, how did it feel to 
kiss a boy for the first time and hold hands <laughs> and like it just must have been especially at that age like it's like we say it's quite late on I don't want you know yeah not that it's good or bad but it's quite late on in terms of actually just doing what you want and kissing people you want to kiss that must have been amazing but like oh this is what everybody else feels yes. when they kiss somebody like absolutely like it was everything <laughs> it was everything because that's all I wanted that's mm. all I wanted was to finally be able to not think in a situation and just be like, you know what? He's hot. He thinks I'm hot. Do you want to <laughs> make out? <laughs> like, solely that. You know what? Yeah. And so it's just like, that is awesome to hold hands out in public. Just like, especially mm-hmm. even like like my husband now. Like, going around Chicago, being able to hold his hand, you know? And not care what people are thinking. People look. They still look to this day, you know? Um but not caring is the piece that took a while to just get over because you still feel like you're being judged by whomever, even in maybe that environment. Because like part of you, like once you kind of get into the gay society, there's even there's racism and things like that, even within gay culture that like just because you're within a, a minority group, there's still these dynamics that spilled over, yeah. honestly, from white society. So learning that and dealing with that and dealing with all the, the, I mean, there's even like the gay apps and things like that they could get on. Like even before like Tinder was here, there were like the gay version of them for years. And being on that and being such a newbie, and you're just like, oh my God, there's, okay, I'm finally being okay with the gay part of myself, but now realizing society might not be still okay with the black part of myself. Mm. So it's just still that dynamic where you're just like, wow, it's going to take a while to become completely mm. comfortable with who I am. It's not that easy. Within, <laughs> it wasn't that easy at all, which came to be the foundation of Minority Report because we felt like there just needed to be representation out there to show that there's a spectrum of being black, there's a spectrum of being gay, there's a spectrum of just simply being a human being. Um, And that's okay wherever you fall in that spectrum, you know? But uh, but yeah, that first time making out, yes, yes, (laughs) it was great. (laughs) Can I ask you quickly as well about coming out to your parents? Because like we talked about, they were very religious with the church, pastors, how was that experience coming out to them, especially? Was that hard? And did they accept it straight away? You must have been shitting your pants. It was petrifying. <laughs> I, they were the last ones that, that I told. Because, um, like, I told my sister first. Then my, bro- my brother, I guess my brother, my mom and dad are similar times. But my sister knew way before they knew. Um, and it was awesome. Her reaction was just like, why didn't you tell me? Like, you could tell me anything. Why couldn't you tell me that? Which broke my heart in a little way because, like, yeah. in a way, I felt like that. She was just like, "Oh, why couldn't?" Like, I thought we shared a lot, and you couldn't share that with me. So that kind of broke my heart a little bit. But then I was just glad she was just like, "Okay, it is what it is," mm. and kept it moving. But my parents, when I told them, it was it was tough. It was definitely tough. Um, I I think part of me, I think my mom knew. And was just waiting for the day for me to tell her. Um, And I couldn't even tell her, like, in person. Like, I couldn't even, like, I couldn't do it. I was like, I can't, I can't see your reaction. Your reaction is probably going to break my heart way more than any of the words or the texts and things like that that are going to come. So, initially, I texted her. I texted both my mom and dad 
together. Because I was like, I can't, I can't look at you. I can't hear you. I, I can't. I, yeah. I don't have, it's going to make me tear up now think about it being in that space. But, um, and the reaction wasn't the best at first, <laughs> to be quite frank. Um, like, my mom was more like, why? And I didn't want to know this kind of thing. Um, which I suspected was her react going to be her reaction. So I think I had already kind of prepared myself for my whole life, honestly, for that kind of reaction. So, but to get it, you're still like, oh, it confirmed. Yeah. It confirmed what you were thinking. But it was a low lifted, though. Because yeah. it's just like, I don't have to lie. I don't have to hide anymore. Like, I honestly don't care what anyone else thinks. I don't care what my aunts and uncles think now when I come out to them, et cetera, et cetera. I don't care because there wasn't going to be a hurt more than, like, my mom and dad yeah. for me, you know? So once that Band-Aid was ripped off, it was a process. It was a process. And it's cool now to see literally my mom commenting on Corey's, like, Facebook all the time and things like that. Is it 100%? I don't think so. I don't know. You know, but at least I see the effort and things like that. They came to my wedding. They like my mom walked me down the aisle and things like that. So, so there's that portion, but there's also the portion where I asked my dad to be the minister for the wedding and he wasn't ready for that, mm -hmm. which is fine. But I wanted to make sure I asked him because I didn't want him to actually be fine. And then be like, why didn't you ask me? Yeah, you, you know, I didn't anything. want exactly. And I didn't want that the fear to hinder me that way. I was just like, okay, I've done so well and worked on myself so much to get on letting fear of what's going to be said or done be like dictate how I react and act and things like that. So I was like, okay, I need to ask him. Yeah. And he, and he said, he's like, no, I, I don't know if I'm quite comfortable doing that, but he's like, I'll be there for sure. Blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it, it's cool. They were like in all the pictures and things, you know, so it's just like, it's still a process to this day, I believe for them. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of the biggest fears of the church turning on them and them turning on me potentially and things like that has not been the case, which is awesome. The only, I think I only got one, maybe semi negative reaction where they were like, wow, I'm shocked that this is what you chose in your life or something like that they sent me a message but after that like they mm -hmm. still talk to me so it's just like it is what it is but um it's been a process but like my siblings it, it hasn't been they're like the same as it was <laughs> beforehand yeah. um which is awesome and then even like my extended family aunts and uncles cousins etc cetera, etc cetera, that's been great as well but um but yeah it's been a process but luckily I don't think it's really changed because we've had a great relationship all my life, except they just didn't know that portion or I hadn't come out for that particular portion if they mm -hmm. did know it. Um, but it hasn't at least changed. Like I still call them, like I still call my dad for like everything because like I just <laughs> trust his thought process and a lot of things. I talk to my mom all the time. So in that regard, it hasn't really shifted that dynamic and I'm just way more comfortable, quite frank. So Thank you for being honest about that because you could have quite easily said like, oh, it was fine or, you know, kind of brushed yeah. over. But thank you for actually being honest because I think it's going to be helpful or I don't know what the word is, but for other people listening who maybe haven't come out to their parents yet to 
be able to hear that yeah it, it is hard and it might not be perfect and then you might not get the reaction that you want but there is you know it'll work its way out and it'll take time but so thank you for being honest I appreciate that yeah no problem and I mean ultimately what you learn too is like you have to be comfortable with yourself like and that's the hardest thing on earth like even if you didn't have like a lot of the racist stuff and the gay stuff on top of you it's just hard for like say the the, the, the straight white male what they always kind of say is like the top of the food chain it's probably hard for them as well for certain things just to deal with life so being just I, I just try at this point it's just like there's nothing else for me to hide about so i'm going to try to enjoy myself and be comfortable with myself and grow as much as i can because if not i, I remember how tough it was day in day out to live and not live fully it sucks it mm-hmm. sucks. So yes, even though the reaction wasn't exactly what I wanted, oh well. Oh well, I'm cool with myself. I'm okay yeah. with my relationship. I'm okay with myself. And either they have they now it's on them. They have the choice to either want to continue to grow in their relationship with me or not. And once you kind of make it that simple, it's not that simple, but once <laughs> you kind of make it that simple, it's just like I would rather be okay with myself than trying to live the way I was living to make them okay with themselves. <laughs> no, but like you said, I, I think it's it's a process. It takes time and, and it's understandable. Uh, it's pe- People have expectations in life. Absolutely. Like, maybe we should not, but we all do. That's, that's just the truth. Uh, and because of the society we live in, because of everything we live in, like, you know, parents expect things. Uh, yeah. they have an image they have a path for the children they have a vision in the head so when things doesn't go as expected well they, they, I mean they, they have to accept it and, and that takes time so yeah. I mean the, the human yeah, being like, like we all are yeah so it's it makes sense that it, it's not easy for them neither um, right. but, but like you said I mean at, at the end of the day you're still talking they're still there for you and that's what matters right that's the most important Absolutely. at the end of the day and you know, you, you, you can't expect to always fully agree with everything going on in in life. Uh, so, mm-hmm. And so it's not cool. their life. That's another thing that I had to learn. It's like, this is not their life. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not theirs. Yeah. Yes, they, they raised me as best they could, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I'm paying my bills. I'm doing, you know, and things like that. It's just like, so it's no longer their life. Yes, I would love that they're happy with everything I do in my life. But that's not the case. And once you kind of realize that they're human as well. And I think that's another veil I had to like take off. It's just like as much as I think they're children of God and everything like that, they still get upset. They still have emotions. They still have expectations, whatever, right, wrong, or indifferent, you know? And once I kind of take that veil off of that they can do no wrong, yeah, yeah, they they can do wrong. They're human. Yeah, they're human. and I, I feel non-parents, we have this tendency to maybe sometimes like judge all the parents uh yeah. saying like oh that should be done this way whatever but i mean yeah there's no like a book it doesn't come with a manual <laughs> so right. everyone every single parents uh whoever lived like the, everyone's just trying to do the best with what they have because yeah there's no you know it's not a software you install and oh okay i'm gonna be a parent today i know what to do like, <laughs> it's not right. that easy so like, you have to fucking figure it out <laughs> so 
and everyone's carrying their baggage. Everyone has baggage yeah. that they're carrying around. We can't see it, but it comes out in sometimes the worst times. Oh yeah. Um. So it's just one of those things. Just like I just knew at that point, I had to do it. I had to come out. I was in a relationship with a person that I cared deeply about, and it wasn't fair to him ultimately as well mm-hmm. because like and thank God he was diligent and impatient and things like that because not everyone could be in a relationship with someone that was still semi kind of in the closet because you haven't really come out to like the two four people at that point that probably meant the most to me you know my parents and my brother and sister so to get even in a relationship with him with me kudos to him because (laughs) now that i'm older and going through life i don't know if i could do it that would be hard because it's just like i want people to see my full self and i'm sure that's what he was thinking all the time like i he's like i've already been through my journey i've already come out and everything like that and now the potential take on some of corell's baggage not easy yeah not easy at all so that's probably even like like we've talked about that over the years but that's probably even something that even now i just need to just simply just say thank you man because and i i haven't over time but just simply that nothing else no justification because that's had had to be hard on him to be like okay i've met your friends i've done this and i've done that but i haven't even met your parents and what are they thinking and you know and then okay you came out to your sister but have you sold your parents yet have you you know so so that's that's just something i i i thank Corey for handling it the way he did because he could have easily ruined and maybe ruins too big of a word but like he could have easily made me want to go back into the closet mm. quite frank or or made the situation way harder than it needed to be as i dealt with myself in a way you know so it's it's a lot it's it's for every gay person out there every gay person has a story every human has a story but just to continue to add these layers on that, that's why I, I, I try to preach empathy and sympathy because you just don't know what a person's going through in that moment. Yeah. Well, and also, no matter what you do, no matter the way you do it, uh, you're not going to make everyone happy anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, you need to do it for yourself and do what's safe and, and right for you to be okay and feel okay because anyway, everyone is not going to be happy. You're still not going to get shit by some people and i remember talking about that in after in, in, in last time we tried to record is that you're, you're talking about uh being too gay or not being gay enough or being too mm-hmm. black or not being bi- black enough uh, that mm-hmm. you had a lot of shit also uh through that uh yeah i, I remember you I, I remember something you said uh about you got a scholarship and people thought that it was because <laughs> you play football because you are your yep tall <laughs> big black guy so you obviously play football but no it's just because yeah. you're clever uh, and oh i'm, like, I'm oh. actually smart <laughs> yeah um but yeah like i i will yeah it happens all the time it still happens like if anyone like and it's maybe farther and fewer between because like i the longer i'm away from college the, those kind of conversations don't come up yeah but yeah like when people find out that i went to school on a scholarship they of the time say what sport and now it's gotten to the point where I just joke because I know it's coming so I'm like thank you for thinking I have the body type to be in whatever sport you think thank you thank you uh but no I was 
smart or am smart <laughs> and it was on an academic scholarship um and then sometimes it goes into like the affirmative action piece that's happened before too they're like oh you probably just got in because uh you're a black kid and i'm like okay see i'm not uh, even gonna uh, go down that road with you yeah. because that's ridiculous um you can see my grades if you want me to go back to high school and college and get my transcripts i will show you that i gladly am a smart human being but um but yeah 99.9 percent, and it's happened even with Corey. it happened with a co-worker of his once because i have told him that sometimes he doesn't believe sometimes just the dynamic of being a black person because he's uh half greek half lebanese so but he could pass as a white guy quite frank um and so being in an interracial relationship, there's just stuff that comes up sometimes that he maybe at first didn't realize was still so prevalent, the racism and things like that out there. But there just becomes like these day in, day out random situations. And it happened one time with one of his coworkers, she asked, and I forget how we even got on the subject of college or something like that. And it might even been Corey saying, oh, yeah, he went to school on a full ride scholarship and literally without a beat. Oh, what sport? <laughs> And you just stand there. You're just like, no, it was it was academic. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That so, is something funny. you shared with us uh, last time also was the story about uh, being followed in in like a grocery store. Uh, yeah, yeah. You shared that well, again. That was a yeah. It was a no. It was an antique shop. It was with uh, Corey, and uh, I mean, I have been following a grocery store before, but not with Corey. But uh, I, that was just another situation where my husband, he just loves antiquing. He Like, ever since he was a kid, like, his mom used to always go antiquing. So he's been in thousands of antique stores and things like that. And it was when we lived in – at the time, we lived in Dallas, Texas. But uh, the antique shop was, like, someplace in between Dallas and Waco. Oh, it was in Waco because we went down to go see – um. Chip and Joanna uh, gains their stuff uh, from Fixer Upper. I'm not sure if you've seen that show. So oh, they yeah. they yeah. they have like the silos and shopping in down uh, down in Waco, Texas. And so we're in Waco, Texas, which is kind of a smaller city in Texas. And we went to an antique shop. And I a already don't care to go to antique shops. <laughs> it does nothing for me, but I just do it to appease him. And we go in there. And it was this uh, lady, and it was like this old house. It was like a two-story house, maybe even three-story house. And we we're just walking around, looking at the antiques. And obviously, they greet you at the door or whatever. But then I noticed she starts to follow, and specifically me, because like usually I just kind of like go and gander and look wherever, because Corey's literally looking at every <laughs> single thing in there. And I'm like, oh god, she's following me. But it's what it is. Not the first time, won't be the last time. And so, you know, I go over to Corey, hey, you know, oh, yeah, that's cute, whatever. And then I stick with him just to see if she's going to follow both of us. And sure enough, she does. And then finally, Corey starts noticing it. And he's like, oh, my God, she's following us, isn't she? I'm like, yeah, welcome to my world. And that was probably another moment for him that dawned on him. He's like, wow, some of these stories that you have told me. Even not that he didn't believe me, but sometimes you have to go through some of the situations just to see it for yourself and how uncomfortable it could be. <laughs> and that was the day where he's like, oh, my God. He's like, this is ridiculous. He's like, I've been in thousands of antique stores in my life and have never been followed in a single one. And I was like, oh, well, welcome. <laughs> welcome to your new life, <laughs> yeah. because it, it happens. And so it, it, that was one of the first big moments that. 
I think he kind of sees sometimes the micro aggressions and the micro moments that if you're not looking for them, you don't know occur day in, day out. Um, but for him to literally do something that he does, he goes at least once a week, like mm-hmm. still here in Atlanta, like he, he goes antiquing. He, it's just something that he enjoys to do on his days off. So for him to realize in something in his own world, what was occurring was cool for me because I'm like I've been t- trying to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh no, they're not following you. They're just being nice. They don't. Want, they want to make sure that you're okay. No, no, no. They don't care about me that much. <laughs> so, mm. so yeah, that's funny. That I, I forgot I told that story. Yeah, that's actually one that stood out to me. That I was going to bring up as well because I think that for us as white people, we don't ever experience racism. Obviously, like we just don't see it happening. So, and I think obviously last year was huge for everyone to open their eyes as to what is happening and obviously it's been happening for decades but we just mm-hmm. hadn't ever really been exposed to it because like you said you don't see like unless unless it happens to you you don't see it happening yeah and so yeah it's just well it's like, yeah but also i think th- th- this story is really interesting and, and powerful in a sense that like you you use the term microaggression it's not like you know it, it doesn't have to be murder it's exactly. also all the little thing that you have to deal every day. The, the little thing that yes. are not like yeah, it, big, but they add up you, every single day of your life. Like you see it a lot of times almost in demeanor as well. Mm. Like you see it when a person might not be comfortable around you. Yes, I don't expect everyone to be comfortable around me, but it's just like someone quickly grabbing their purse or even like on an elevator, like seeing people just scoot away from you closer to someone that looks like them. You know, you're just like, okay, you know, mm. and it is what it is. Okay. I don't want you in my, my bubble anyway, <laughs> but it's just these little things day in, day out that occur that you're just like, ah, and then I guess maybe one of the, the few things too, luckily growing up in a, a, a predominantly white area, it's like, I know how to deal with it. I know when it's probably going to occur. And and I can't recall if I told this story or not, but like I remember one time going back home um, for Christmas break. And I think this was after I had graduated college. So it was already in the workforce and coming home and we have like the, like every small town in America have almost like a towny bar. <laughs> and so one of the towny bars in, in Freeland, Michigan, going to and been there dozens of times before but for some reason this night i maybe hadn't been there in a while i don't know but someone coming up to me is telling me why are you here because i was literally like the only black person in there and luckily was with friends that a either still lived in that area or knew the person and they're like why are you asking him that and i was like why are you asking me that he's like you don't belong here. And I'm like, dude, I graduated from here. Who are you? <laughs> like, like, do you live in Freeland? If not, don't come to me because I gr- I lived here my whole life and things like that. And so it's just those moments where you, you it's a jolt again. You're like, oh, come home to a place that I lived my whole time, life and thought everybody knew me, but clearly not everyone knows me. And they're asking me, why am I in this bar? Like, I can't go to a, a bar. <laughs> You know, it's like I'm legal age, and then B having the nerve to come up to me and ask yeah. me that. Yeah. That's even yeah. Um, and so, so hopefully, and I guess you know what, like, and it's one of those things. Maybe it's kind of says just like when you do have those moments. A lot of times you don't ever bring it back up. So it's just like it was one of those moments where I, I, 
I don't even know if my friends recall now because it's just like it's not something that I'm like going to make a big scene out of because then it just makes things worse. But um, it doesn't have to be something that bold. It definitely could be microaggressions and then it could be murder. But then yeah. again, you see George Floyd and things like that get killed. People like him get killed and no one's being held accountable. Yeah. So it's just like even in 2021, you're still being taught that you're less than. Yeah. In ways like that, where it's like you think social media and having a, a camera phone literally have the latest iPhone, great clarity, you know, 8K, woo woo. <laughs> and having footage and they're still not being held accountable. So it's just yeah. like moments like that that is like the rude awakening. Um, on top of it, the microaggressions, then on top of it being gay and things like that, we're trying to just preach and try to be as vocal as possible. Um, luckily, living here in Georgia, we've done a decent job, at least this last political election, um, to get people in, in office that hopefully will be able to slowly, helpfully, uh, hopefully change some of the laws and the things like that. Because it's going to have to come from the top down. It's going to have to be these these folks at the top that set the example of like, no, this is not okay. And I'm in a position now to change that until that happens. It's going to continue to occur, unfortunately. So, hmm. yeah. Also, I mean, yeah, I agree to, to have a real change. It has to come from the top, but also the, the podcast and other platforms, uh, help for that. And the fact that you are absolutely expressing what you feeling, what's going on every week, uh, every every week to a new audience you know more, more people listen like every week a little bit and 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 that's gonna have an impact eventually it's just gonna take longer maybe this way right. um yeah. to reach a broader audience and millions of people uh but it's having an impact also on on it's having an impact on for, for your podcast black and gay people because it's helping them to relate to not feel alone and everything we've been talking about but also it's helping people like me and people that not on those communities to maybe understand what you have to go through and what you're dealing with and and all those microaggression that again that we don't see like everyone sees the murder on tv but we don't see those little things that you have to deal with every day so the fact that you talk about them yeah. um th that's helping people like like me to well to be aware of the existence of that first star. Uh, also to maybe, you know, question myself, like, is that something that I'm doing? Because, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the the stuff you said about the scholarship, I would have probably said that. I, I would have probably <laughs> said, like, oh, what's for? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I would have, to be honest. Uh, but yeah. now I know, you know, like it's that's how you can get better, I think, is by knowing and by being aware. So um, Absolutely. So I think it's important also for everyone that you keep sharing those stories information experiences and everything absolutely it's important and, and and it's important for us to hear the stories because like we we try to have like yes we're three gay black men but we also have other communities of color on whether it be other podcasters other um uh, like we had uh monique on from drag race we you know just like just people within the community and specifically people of color because it's not monolithic, you know, we, we all don't have the same story. So we also want to hear and grow 
So we can also help those communities, whether it be Latino, whether it be Native American, indigenous uh, communities, Asian, like the, the, the Asian uh, hate crimes going on right now is freaking ridiculous. And we talk about that because it's just like we all know how that feels. Mm. So it's just like we can't be so siloed and saying, oh, there's a black experience because it's happening to the Latinos. It's happened to Asians. It's ha-. So we try to be aware of that, uh, especially like our trans brothers and sisters. Like we, we preach about their community a lot just because even within black gay culture there's still this weird disconnect of not looking out for especially black trans um, women Mm. which is bizarre to me and so we try to speak up and try to post posts about okay this is occurring we hope that a lot of times posting some of it isn't triggering because we try to be aware of that as well because not everyone has been able to to work on themselves at the same pace as potentially I have or Duran or Jarrell has. But um, but then also, we like you said, we have a lot of allies that listen to our show that that DM us and be like, hey, I'm glad you, uh, you all talked about that question. Or we have a segment called Ask Your Aunties. So we're all like aunties <laughs> on, on this show. But um, and we're good for a good tea pun. We love a tea pun. Uh, but um, having the community <laughs> sending questions that we can help them and giving them the advice that we've been through. Um, and if we don't know the answer, we try to bring someone on or at least we post something to have the greater community respond to give um, their opinions and their advice and their situations as well. Because ultimately, it, it, we want everyone to feel welcome and, and form this community because we know how it feels to not feel feel wanted and feel seen so so yeah because yeah, at, at the end of the day you just want to feel like you can belong somewhere and that's it it's like you just want to feel seen and that that was maybe the biggest takeaway i took from myself from watching those that camcorder i was like as much as i didn't want to be seen i just it was because i wanted to be seen <laughs> like you know it's just like i was shying away from certain conversations on there or i was over doing it just because i wanted to seem i don't know butch or masculine i don't know but it's just like you do all of that solely so you can be seen mm-hmm. you know it's like i want to be understood and that's it that's all we want so like if you kind of go through your day with that in mind it might not be easy but it's easier to to sympathize with your neighbor and whomever down the street or at the grocery store or the or the the homeless person that you see out the store and things like that like because We've all been there. Like, you don't have to be part of the LGBTQIA plus community to not feel seen at times. Everyone knows what that feeling is like. So mm-hmm. I, I try to carry that on, even though I'm comfortable with myself now, remembering what it felt like to not to be seen. And so that's what I love about the podcast and continuing to grow from it because there's just situations that you hear, you're like, man, I thought I had it bad, but they went through that. That is insane. Wow. So, so I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. There's just conversations that I never knew I would share. There's sexual exploits that we've <laughs> shared. Like it's crazy. Like, Getting on, and you guys know there's probably things that you've shared over time that you're like, wow, I didn't plan on sharing <laughs> that, or I didn't plan, but okay, it's out there now, and hopefully it helps somebody because, yeah. because, uh, like I said at the, the top of the show, it's just like I wish I had that when I was younger, an avenue of seeing somebody like myself just to simply know it was going to be okay, so I didn't maybe wasn't as hard on myself getting to where I need to be along that journey. Do, do you feel that um, you also have to 
fight a lot of uh, racism and homophobia into the minority you're you're with like the is there a lot of racism for example like in in the gay community uh you know, I don't know. You know, I've got this assumption, but I, I know it's wrong. I know it's not right, but that, uh-huh. you know, being part of the minority, you might be a bit more tolerant because you know what it is to be uh, rejected or to be, you know, uh, seen as like less than and stuff like that. Right. So you, you, you would assume that maybe people have a little bit more tolerance and accept people that, yeah. Maybe different, think, whatever. But yeah, you would think, but but you would assume, <laughs> but that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> like, <clears throat> like even like doing something like say like Gay Pride season. You know, we have a whole month. Yeah, we're celebrating Gay Pride. But if you just stop and look at what they're celebrating, is usually, especially if like you're within the community, is usually the posters that they put out or the social media posts they put out is a gay white man with like a six pack, <laughs> like oh yeah, like killer body. You know, just killer looks everything cool i i like white men with abs and things like that but that's not all that is in the gay community (laughs) and that's the part that we really fight day in day out is just like if we're really celebrating all the letters like we have so many letters in this lgbtqia plus why are we only showing a subset then continuously and so that's where it kind of comes in it's just like the gay world is only this. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's gay, black, it's trans, it's lesbian, it's asexual, it's intersex, it's all of these people. Then why are we not showing this on the posters if we're celebrating Gay Pride Month? Or a lot of times you'll see it in the apps. So like there's the grinders of the world, there's like the scruffs of the world, where it's like these gay, they call them dating apps, but honestly, it might just be hookup apps. <laughs> But what you find in them, in the profiles, they'll be like, oh, I only like skinny guys. I only like white guys. I only like, like, it'll be like so blatant what they're saying that they don't want black, native, Latino, Mm -hmm. indigenous, all within the app. So a lot of times, especially in recent times, folks are calling out these companies saying, why are we allowing this specifically in a community where we already felt less than all our lives? Um... And it's calling these people out. Like, I, I know, especially over the holidays, um, during COVID and things like that, there's still been places where a lot of the gays travel to, like Puerto Vallarta and things like that. And calling out a lot of that culture, even, where it's, the, the account's called Gays Over COVID. And even throughout COVID, there's this culture of where we call it circuit parties, where different cities will host big dance events and things like that. And it's the circuit scene, which is very geared towards white men. And a lot of times like muscle men, like you got to have this image and throughout COVID, a lot of the gay community is like, okay, why are these parties still going on? A, there's a pandemic. B, why are we still promoting the same image? So over the holidays down in Puerto Vallarta, they were having a lot of these same kind of parties and there was this uh, gay cruise, like a, a boat, and it sank. <laughs> Which is not funny, but it's funny because just to see the reaction of the LG- LGBTQIA plus community, because it was a backlash against that stereotype. And a lot mm. of people are like, why are you guys like bashing these men? 
And a lot of it is just like a lot of it was probably like the built up, pent up anger that that's what's always promoted. And so to see them in a boat that's sinking <laughs> in a weird way, a lot of created these memes and things like yeah. that. And so in the grand scheme, no, I, a lot of they were safe and things like that. No one died, etc. But that alone showed a lot of people in the community that there's still a lot of work to be done because there's this huge backlash against that stereotype. But then you don't want it to go too far that they no longer feel welcome to the, the yeah. community, you know. But at the end of the day, they also, whoever fits that kind of stereotype and you're perpetuating that stereotype, you need to show show up and be like, you know what, there is a stereotype. I need to make sure that whatever party I'm throwing, that maybe the image has other parts of our community on it and things like that. So long-winded answer to say that yes your assumption is wrong because you would think in theory to go through some of the stuff we've been through that there would be more sympathy more empathy more diversity and that's not always the case sadly yeah no it's just because i what you said before about uh not being like trans people especially trans black women people like not not being yeah. fully accepted so that's why i was asking this question because um yeah yeah oh i know what i was gonna say but the apps too like sometimes you even get approached so vulgarly of, of like so there's this fetishizing of black men a lot of times that even on these apps and i'm trying not to be too crude but it's just like you can be like, crude oh, well, i want to hear okay. <laughs> I, think <laughs> right? we know what you, I think we know what you mean but, <laughs> but they'll be like bbc which means big black you know what the c Cock. is there we go. I'll Ow. say if you <laughs> Yes. But it's just like, they no longer see you as human. It's just like, okay, yes, I'm on here probably to hook up and things like that. But can at least I get, what's your name or something I, I, like yeah, that? Yeah, I just pretend. Like, I just pretend. <laughs> right. And it's, and it's the same people that they'll, they'll ask you that. They will sleep with you. And then you might see them at the bar and won't say hello to the, the group of black men that are in there and things like that. So they almost do it behind the scene because they mm. they fetishize it and only want to associate with you for sexual pleasure, but don't want to associate with you outside. Uh, let's go to a movie. Let's go to a sporting game. That's whatever it may be, daily, regular-ass life. And so that's a huge thing. Or some folks won't go towards other communities of colors because of whatever stereotype and racist uh, racist thoughts that they have so that's a huge thing that we bring up a lot of times on the podcast and we even had a panel of our friends um just talking about a lot of the stuff they've gone through on these apps and what people are saying like a lot of people want to like can i call you the n-word in bed and can i and it's just like this weird oh. dynamic where you're just like golly they don't see us as human still and, wow. and and it's not everyone. It's not everyone at all. But you still have a lot of the same shit that occurs in yeah. regular world bleeds over into the gay community as well. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. But again, yeah. that's that's the microaggression we're talking about. That's that's, that's everything. Because like, I I think if you could solve those problems and and get rid of those small things. Yeah that would prevent the big shit to happen absolutely uh, yeah or at least make it a little better you know yeah yeah, yeah. just but, make uh, life a tiny bit easier like yeah yeah mm. 
So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's just like, you would think this would be the community that would, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> understand, but, and I think ultimately it's one of those things too. It's just like, once you come to terms quote unquote with yourself, now there's this shift of power again. It's just like, okay, you're still dealing with the same racist crap. And there's this dynamic of power, um, that, okay, I'm out. I'm no one's beating me. So now I feel like I'm empowered to make someone else feel maybe smaller and things like that, which mm. is something that they have to work on. Like you still haven't worked on yourself to deal with this dynamic. And now you're just putting it within our community and it's not helping us at all. Hmm. Um, I have a question. What would mm-hmm. be your advice for anybody who hasn't come out yet, but they think, or they know that they're gay. Do you have any advice in terms of anything really? <laughs> Man, that's, that's a heavy one. Just because, at the end of the day, don't let anyone force you if you're not ready. Because mm-hmm. there is going to be collateral damage. There is emotional stuff that that's going to happen. There's that ultimately you just need to work through. Get a therapist. I am a big proponent of therapy. Talk this shit <laughs> out. <laughs> um, and try, try, like we were saying earlier, there's the YouTubes and IGs and social media maybe start there and look just be like you're you're okay it's the norm there's going to be a tribe for you Mm -hmm. you know um maybe hopefully try to find a a friend that you could hopefully confide in if not therapy but you're gonna have to do it on your own terms don't let anyone force you when you're not ready Mm -hmm. because there's just an emotional baggage and and damage that will occur because you haven't dealt with yourself. But on the flip side of that, it's like, it does get better. It doesn't get easier. It's still going to be hard. There's still going to be things you have to work on. There's still going to be people that don't approve of you. There's going to, you know, that doesn't go away. But it does get better. Like, you become more comfortable in yourself. You you become more secure in yourself to not live a lie, to not hide anymore. Um Seek out a community. Seek, I mean, ju- for me, I just think seeking out friends and community is so huge. Of folks that accept you exactly for who you are. Not for whatever image you think the gay scene is. That's one thing I think a lot of times you come out and you think you have to act a certain way. There's no certain way you need to act. Act like you. Act like the way you've always knew you were and are. Um... I think that may be one of the things I didn't foresee when I came out. It was just like, you kind of just think, oh, now I have to go to these circuit parties. Or now I have to always go to the gay bars. Or I always have to have my shirt off and things like that. No, be yourself. If you want to take your shirt off, take your shirt off. If you don't, don't. There's no rules. There's no guidebook. that like. There's no gatekeeper to the LGBTQIA plus community. But you're not going to, it's not going to go away. It's like, that's the one thing I, I think I learned that was just like, as much as I was trying to pretend and as much as I thought, okay, I just need to marry somebody and just, uh, it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. So you're going to have to confront yourself in however way makes you the most comfortable to do so, whether it's therapy or friends or whatever, family potentially, seek that out. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's just no siloed way to come out quite frankly um 
and it almost makes me cringe sometimes where sometimes you'll see like the media suspect someone might be gay and mm. just plastering that out that's that's so rude to me because it's such a vulnerable thing to show people who you are you know um so that's why it's always hard to answer that question succinctly because there's no right or wrong way but it does get better not easier but it does get better so I love this answer because everything you said actually applies to being human and not yeah. just being gay. Like exactly. seeking friends, seeking people like like you, finding a community. Like everything you said is true. If I don't know you, you are you 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 are into something maybe a little bit different or mm-hmm. I don't know whatever it is. Everything you said would be a really good really advice. good answer in general like if you feel lonely yeah. just find people with the same interest than you you know it's not about just so yeah that, I, I think it's a great and i'm glad you said that because ultimately that's what we want folks to see is that we're human yeah, yeah. like yes we're gay yes i'm black etc cetera, etc cetera, but i'm human and once you see people as human it just shifts something in you. It's just like, I can't treat them that bad, you know? And it's just, I don't know. It's just like, so I'm glad you you said that because it is just general life advice. It's, it's human advice, you know? But for some reason, it's still a lot of pressure on this community because the world is still saying that we're not right. Mm-hmm. We're not okay, They're, you know? And even in 2021, it's still going like that, Um so the seeking of a community and friends and therapy and things like that, just to make sure you're safe. I think it, it's, I think it's even more than that. It's not just about having something wrong with you or whatever. I think it's also the fact that uh, we have so much assumption and we have, you know, uh, how many how many times did you hear? Oh, when are you gonna get a girlfriend? When are you gonna have kids? Uh, yeah. When when people see you married, oh, where's your wife? It's all those things also that make you feel that you don't belong there because yeah. the, the, you know that this question maybe doesn't fully apply to you. Uh, so it's all those little things as well that we we might have to change and 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 shift uh, because yeah, when you're in your, I mean, first like when you're 18 years old, gay or not gay, whatever. You, you are uh it's annoying to hear i don't know how many yeah. times <laughs> when are you gonna get a boy or a girl like just yeah. just that by itself is annoying like and and you're probably dealing with a lot of insecurities at this point uh Absolutely. by not having a partner gay or not yeah. gay uh so just that that's shit so that's something maybe we should just stop doing you know for a start i agree uh, that is and, so and, and about like so getting more to, and about getting <coughs> married so and about having kids oh you're 30 not married yet you don't have kids yeah <laughs> right like all yeah. those crap so it's all those little <clears throat> things as well that sucks but yeah if you're if you know inside that you know if you have your parents telling you every single weekend when are you gonna bring a girl and and have a family and when you know inside you that I'm sorry, That's but not what it I might not happen. It's not what I want. Like, <laughs> but you keep hearing it every single week. Yeah. Like that, yeah. th- that hurts. <clears throat> so absolutely, because like it, it just chips away at who you know you are at the end of the day. Like a lot of people say, like I, I knew from a young age that 
I wasn't, I don't think I had the terminology, mm-hmm. but I knew from a young age that I wasn't liking girls the way some of my friends were liking girls. Like I was like, oh, they're pretty. Oh, I, I want to play with them and things like that. But I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to kiss her. <laughs> but then I, but then it's just like, I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to kiss boys and things like that. Everybody had, everybody had cooties at that point, but it's just like, <laughs> I knew the way some of my friends were talking about girls that I know I don't want that, <laughs> you know? And then maybe probably like by like fifth, sixth grade when you really start to know, I'm like, Oh no. Oh no. And that's when, especially trying to be cool. Kids are like, Oh, that's gay. That's gay. And like you say, it's just a day in, day out of just hearing little things here and there that girls not quote unquote the norm. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely some things we need to take out of normal conversation. Cause a lot of it's small talk, just trying to engage with a person. It's like, I get it, but we need to find other ways to engage potentially that, that isn't a straight normative situation um, that makes you, a person feel bad that that's not what they want. And I mean, there's even people that are asexual and things like that, you know, that you're just like, Oh, why aren't you with a girl? Why aren't you with a boy? It's like, no, I, I don't want that. Mm. We shouldn't, that shouldn't be small talk that we, we do day in, day out. So I think I agree. We, we, we definitely need to, to shift the narrative and, and I'm guilty of it too, just because that's what you're taught throughout. Yeah, life. we are. It's not easy. It's far, you know? it's far from easy, but it's little steps that we can try to take and, and change our, wording and, and everything yeah. so eventually we can be a bit more inclusive i guess uh, yeah absolutely like something like, I've, I've, I've been trying to do since we have the yeah. podcast is like i don't ask anymore uh and even outside like i don't know when i've realized that i was doing that but i stopped asking people like do you have a wife or a husband i it's like do you have a partner you know or yeah like i yeah. just i don't know when i realized that but i did yeah. recently and <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm trying not to make an assumption that you're straight or gay like whatever is right. Do you have a partner? Yeah, cool. <clears throat> you know, uh, and even like pronouns, like like pronouns are so important. But even within the LGBTQIA plus community, that's something that a lot of us still need to work on. Like being from the Midwest, I say you guys all the time, yeah, not same. meaning guys as in like some kind of gender identity. It's literally like you all. People, you know, everyone's a guy. <laughs> you guys, I don't know why we say you guys in the yeah. Midwest. But even that's something that I've been trying to navigate to make sure that whomever I'm talking to feels included. That that's not a trigger for them. It's hard. It's hard. Like 90% of the time, I don't even know I said it. You know, yeah. it's just literally comes out. But that is something even within the community that I am trying to work on because I do know how important pronouns are and how important it is to, again, feel seen. Um, So that's not like it's nothing. It's not harming me to change my lingo. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's going to make you feel seen and important, that's something I need to work on. Yeah, it's a habit at the end of the day. Absolutely. It's just a habit. Yeah. I always say hey guys and I'm trying really like at the moment to say hello everyone or hi everyone or everybody right. rather than guys. <laughs> yo. Huh? Hey yo. Well I'm not a Southern American that can say y'all right. but like I make a point now of saying everyone rather than guys or girls but even if it's a group of yeah. girls like I've got a group of girls that I kind of do my dog photography thing with and rather than be like hey ladies I'll just be like hello everyone because yeah. even though I know them as women maybe 
they think otherwise whatever it is so just i'm trying really hard yeah. to do that as well to just exactly. say everybody or everyone and i think it's and it's just a small shift exactly and it's just like it's a small shift it's gonna be, take time it's gonna and you're not gonna be 100 percent at it you know and that's mm-hmm. the other thing but it's just like i am consciously trying to change and a lot of times if someone does get offended hearing them out why they feel that way and not taking defense you know against it it's just like okay they're telling you their truth in that moment so the least you can do is be like okay that's why they don't like Corel when you say hey guys cool i could shift that that was not my intent but sometimes it doesn't matter about intent you, they were offended so yeah so yeah no it's, it's so easy and it's a, a habit that i have that i'm like Woo, it's gonna be hard to break but it, it's my goal yeah, and all you can do is do your best and, and you know, like come from mm-hmm. a good place and yeah, do your best. And sometimes you, you're going to speed and you're going to go back. But if you catch yourself, that's where you yeah. can improve eventually. So, yeah. <clears throat> the one that I found Absolutely. hard is we know somebody who's non-binary and trying to uh-huh. say they rather than she. That's like, the hardest one. I agree. Because we're so used to saying he or she does this or they did. Well, like, especially he as he a non-English that. speaker, that's even harder for, <laughs> for me. I mean, that's, I this one, like, so trying to like stop yourself from saying she and saying they, and yeah. I find that one so, so hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they and them. I agree with that statement. But yeah, uh, it's one that I, I'm definitely working on just because I have non-binary folks in like my circle. So it's just like, that's just so rude for me to just, because it's hard for me. Yeah, you know, so it's like I, I let them know I might not get a hundred percent, but I am working on it. And a lot of times, that's good enough for them. They're like, yeah. okay, I know Corel is putting in the effort to do better. And once they they know that, they definitely feel more seen in that regard. Hmm. But sometimes you just slip up, like you're just talking, yeah. you don't think. Absolutely, you just slip up and you're like, oh god, no, like. Absolutely, especially yeah. if I've been drinking too. It's just like <laughs> then it's like. Just because it's just like almost like pre-programmed in your brain. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. like a lot of times you're like consciously thinking when you're like sober. But if like I had a couple of drinks, I'm like, da, 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 da. oh, no, no, no. That's not what I want. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's just like it, it's, it's definitely work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can ask the question. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what you said last time. So I'm intrigued. Yeah, me either. Oh, so that's God. good. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, that was a great conversation. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad we did it again in a sense. Because yes, I absolutely. enjoyed it as much as the first time. We should so. just keep doing it. Yeah, maybe we can. <laughs> like a plan. We, we <laughs> I'll can, come we... back. <laughs> and, and try to get you all on uh, on the podcast as well. we'll yeah, that'd be cool. Too. Yeah. yeah um, the question I've got for you, the last one, would be if you could have a chat with someone that you think is the most interesting person, <laughs> who would you pick and why? I have no idea what you said last time. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I forgot, but I remember who I said last time. And I'm trying to think if that's still how I feel <laughs> today. Um, I And my answer last time, I'm going to give you two answers because I'll give yeah. you the one I said last time mm-hmm. and then I'll give you today. Last time I think I said Pharrell because yes. I do music I do music on the side and he's just one person that I'm like, I just want to see your process. Like, I don't understand how you come up with some of your chord progressions. I don't get how you came up with that melody. Like, I want to see from start A to Z, what equipment you use, what plugins you lo- use, and things like that. Him and Timbaland are two, like, in my head, I'm like, I, th- their genius in music creativity is just insane to me. Um, who would be another one, though, today? Because I want to give another one to you. Probably someone like uh like a Barack or a Michelle, because I, I think 
they would have a, a, a dynamic. And obviously in their books, they've touched on it, but I'm sure they were still a little PC <laughs> on their experiences. Being the first of anything is insane, but yeah. especially in a country that was built on racism, I want to just know some of the things they heard in their briefings and, oh, someone tried to sneak onto the yard today. And, you know, because I know there's some stories that we probably could not even imagine that they yeah. went through, um, either on the campaign trail or other countries even. Um, and I'm not sure how much they could really share because obviously he was the president yeah. and there's just so much they can't share. But I think that would just be intriguing just to mm -hmm. sit down with one yeah. of them or both of them for like 10 hours. Like, I don't want like a time <laughs> oh, yeah. limit either. Like, it's just like, oh, Corel, you only get an hour today. <laughs> no, no, I need all day, damn it. Because <laughs> I and, have questions. <laughs> and I think it would be even more interesting after going through the Trump administration. That part. I think Absolutely. it would even be even better now. Yes. Because uh, even more questions. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just like, yeah, no, yeah, there's a lot of questions. Like, and, and it's yeah. interesting, he has his podcast that just released. Yeah. I and so I'm wondering if he's going to, like, give some more in there or the books it, like, whatever he puts in his books is it and he's just going to be done with it. I Michelle gave a few things in her podcast. Uh, yeah, she did. Not, nothing crazy, but it was interesting. Like, what what was interesting about like all the kid stuff? Like, oh, I'm going mm -hmm. to a birthday party, and you have like 25 security <laughs> guards and shit like that. Like, that was Man. all that was quite funny. Um, and maybe even a better now now that you say that, maybe <laughs> even a better person is like the kids, like Sasha, yeah. like you know, just because what they went through. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, but it, I, I'd be satisfied with any. Well, and let's all just of get the, the whole family there. <laughs> I was gonna say, if that ever happens, please record. I need to listen Absolutely. to that conversation. Absolutely. I know they'll probably be like, uh, "Sir, let me get your phone. You can't have anything in here." <laughs> but yeah, no, that 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 would just be very, very intriguing. And I want like the juicy stuff. Like I want like a couple. Like we have to have a couple cocktails. That way, you might accidentally slip and say something. That's what I want. Yeah. I don't he, want he, like He must the be book. fun as well. I'm pretty sure with a few drinks, he must be a pretty fun guy. So. Is, I'm, exactly. Like, especially them. Me, I'm pretty much the same. Like, I, I might get a little louder, but what do you see at this point? It's what you get. I don't know what you get. Like, even with, like, all the wigs and stuff, like, I never thought there would be a day that I could literally go on social media and post... <laughs> myself in various of wigs not that i want to be a woman or anything like that but there's just something about you put a wig on you know it just gives you a different <laughs> character a different side of yourself that uh and that i would be able to post it for like my parents to see folks from the church could see my husband because like my husband has family that's in like west virginia and they have their own kind of little you know dynamic going and not caring and then having people at least comment be like oh that's funny or oh you look great or whatever never in my little mind when i envision because even as a kid i would like and i know we're like over time or whatever but <laughs> i would like literally sneak like i would be in the bathroom and i would maybe like put like a shirt on my head and pretend it was a wig and pretend i was like oh. janet jackson or something like that and again not wanting to be a girl but just like 
it was like having almost fun. A cra- an expression. Exactly. And so now being damn near 37, <laughs> putting this all over social media, never would have thought, never thought I would be comfortable enough to never yeah. see the day where I was that comfortable to be like, I don't give a damn. This is what I wanted to do because it was fun to me. And having people accept that, I, yeah, I'm I'm loving it. And again, that apply even without being gay. Like, how many people yeah. don't like to be themselves, to be fun, or to make a fool of themselves on social media yeah. just because they want to be the cool, cool, like whatever, it's you know? So, way, I mean, just just that by itself is Absolutely. pretty cool to have the confidence to be. I'm gonna do what the fuck I want and have a laugh Seriously. about it. And if you don't like it, well. Just Fuck it. Well, go to the next <laughs> post and you're yeah. probably gonna forget in an hour because yeah. you saw like 200 other posts after that you know mm. so. so yeah like i never mm. never 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 <laughs> if even probably like five years ago if you would have asked me i probably wouldn't have been comfortable enough mm. even then so it's just moments like that taking moments to see again i keep harping on this tape seeing myself at that age and seeing myself now and this seeing how, what has stayed the same the things that i wanted to stay the same mm-hmm. but then also to see the growth in myself is cool to take a second to kind of pat yourself on the, the back and no i don't want like and i want to listen to this five years from now and be like ah, i've grown even since that conversation yeah. and this yeah. is how i've done so good job Carell. you continue to work on yourself so future future Carell, cool. when you hear this hopefully you're still growing <laughs> if people want to listen to the podcast uh minority report tea mm-hmm. available everywhere i guess everywhere yeah even on uh, like audible and places you might not think so wherever you listen to podcasts minority report uh that's where we're at on youtube as well so we post now all the uh the episodes auto like we have the audio and the video now um social media minority report and uh yeah yeah check us out yeah thank you so much again for being on the podcast it was wonderful again and i wish we could do this all the time because i love talking to you we'll find a way yeah <laughs> exactly definitely well like we're, we're friends now on social media so we'll definitely maybe exchange numbers we can and, do like a, that, and we can know. do a take three one day and we'll find exactly. something to talk about <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely thank you for having me again like i was like oh like i felt bad that the audio was gone <laughs> then i was like oh will they want to even do it again I of course so i had a i had a blast i appreciate that Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you give us a review if you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode if you want to tune in again for a different story. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, guys. Bye.